Yo, today's show is sponsored by ABI Security Solutions Limited. ABI Security Solutions Limited is a fraud investigations business based in the northeast of England, just like our guest. They operate throughout the UK, specialising in producing the highest quality evidence, allowing the insurer to seek to reduce claims made against them. They conduct investigations where internal fraud is suspected, often saving their clients hundreds of thousands of pounds while providing evidence so that convictions can be pursued. They have vast experience working with the legal profession conducting dispute resolution investigations. Physical, mobile and foot surveillance operating in teams, they provide the highest standard available in what is an unregulated industry. They have unrivaled levels of equipment in most cases, way beyond what anyone else is using in the commercial environment, and in some cases, equal to equipment levels used by government agencies. Evidence is absolutely key, and they have the ability to gain the highest quality video, photographic, and audio evidence available. Their post-operational turnaround will not be bettered. Technical surveillance. Groundbreaking solutions available to solve difficult problems, often in tight spaces such as void properties, vehicles, offices space and homes. All of their evidence is collected using evidential standard equipment. All of the editing is carried out in-house, providing an end-to-end solution for their clients. Rural surveillance. Their vast experience operating in this demanding area has been gained over a significant period of time. Utilising their government level equipment, their groundbreaking solutions and combining them with their rural experience allows them to produce fantastic evidence for their clients. They work on installations and uncovering the installations of others. They also conduct penetration testing on a regular basis. ABI Security Solutions Limited conducts the highest quality investigations. They're registered with the Data Protection Commission and all of their lead investigators are members of the Association of British Investigators. Get online, check them out, ABI Security Solutions Limited. I have experience with this company in the past for different things and they are superb, absolutely professional in every way and totally above board, which quite often is not the case with these uh, with these organisations. They're one of those companies, especially in, in regards to surveillance and investigations, where they realise that reputation goes above all else and including being legally compliant because if they're providing evidence which hasn't been gained in a legal way, then it counts for nothing. So they have a lot of trust in them from a lot of high, high... Um, value, high value, key clients, and putting hard to put into words here. But get online, find them. ABI Security Solutions Limited. I will stop waffling. I just, I really like the company, and I like it when uh, companies are like sponsored a podcast, which is all the time at the minute, which is fantastic because it means they're reputable, and it means I am helping uh, good quality companies get out there to you guys. That is it for the waffle, significant waffle. Our guest today is Nick Dunn. I won't go on much. You need to listen to this podcast. It uh, He had a nightmare running the M1 coming in, so he was slightly less time to record, but goodness me, my ears were pinned to him, Jared's ears were pinned to him, and yours will be too. Enjoy, if that is the right word. Nick Dunn. Right, Nick Dunn, absolute pleasure to meet you. You two obviously know each other. Yeah, mate. Yeah, long time no see. It's an honour to be here. 
nightmare drive on the, on the M1. So I think, uh, I think my soul is still on the M1, to be you, honest. You just... It's chill time now. You got your water. You yeah. got your salmon for after. <laughs> just relax, mate. Just relax. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to fire straight into it. I got Crack you on, on. your Chennai 6 and all the rest of it. Tell me about your last... When was your... No, in fact, no. What date did you get arrested? 18th of October, 2013. 8th of October, 2013? 18. When did you land back in the UK after getting arrested? 7th of December last year. Four years, one month. November, you say? October, four October years, two months. 18th, we got arrested. In India. 2013. Got back home 7th of December last year. Tell me about your first, your last maritime security operation. Um, we're coming down from. I'm sorry, ticker. That's the one we all in Pete Chong. You haven't done one since, have you? No, I haven't. I don't <laughs> think I'll be doing uh, maritime anytime. I'm laughing, but I'm laughing. But it's not funny. It's not funny. Come on. Um, we we're supposed to go to Sri Lanka, but uh, from Muscat, but a couple of days into it, yep. um, what companies decided to change plans and make us get on the Seaman Guard Ohio, so. After like five, five, six days or something, we got on the same guard Ohio. It's a floating armory, you know, just like up the one up at the Red Sea. And we were there for a few days, and the vessel needed fuel and provisions, so all operations were ceased, weapons, etc., in the pelly boxes, locked away. I was just basically sunbathing, catching squid, you name it. I was a passenger on that vessel, basically. And, you know, we got to the coast of India and the vessel came, brought fuel. The seas was pretty choppy. You know, it was a nighttime operation because the vessel itself wasn't uh, certified to go into the port of Tutakarin. So the agent on land, jacked up some food and fuel, got a vessel. Local agent? Yeah, yeah, local agent, and the vessel came out. How it was transported, etc., uh, etc., et looked, if I'm going to be honest, quite dodgy. Mm. You know, that was, out of the whole four years, the only dodginess about it, the, how the fuel was transported from one vessel to the other. I was like that, oh... This looks dodgy. I'm going to sleep. Next morning, we get an early wake-up call by the TDO. TDO? Uh, the tactical deployment officer. Yeah. Um, who was a Brit guy. And he says, we've been boarded by the Coast Guard. And he's escorting us to the port of Tutakarin. Where the vessel exactly was... You know, whether it was in Indian waters or out Indian waters, it didn't matter anyways. You know, it didn't didn't matter. Um, they would have gotten with at a hundred and seventy odd nautical miles if need be. But we were close enough, and the Coast Guard escorted us in. Mind, it shouldn't have taken too long. Probably about forty five minutes at the most to get to the port. It felt like a lifetime. As we neared. Towards uh, so at this point you've been arrested. No, right. Okay. We're just being just escorted. Oh, sorry, just sorry. escorted to the Tutakarin port by the Coast Guard Nakadevi, the vessel. The Tutakarin port's in India. Yes, yeah. the southeast. So you didn't really think not much to it. I thought it was a bit 
bit off, a bit dodgy, but he didn't really think. No, well, a, no. Why, why would you? Could, have, nah. the, the vessel yeah. itself has been, you know, the curler. It's been a to yeah. crane many times. Can no. we go back a sec, right? Yeah. Um, the reason I'm asking it, I, I've never done a maritime security operation. I've never done any training with it. And I don't no, I do either. No. I, the only, th- I know sort of an outline of the way maritime security operations work. Obviously, yeah. we had Jordan Wiley on. Who was, yeah, you know, one of yeah, yeah. He's, he knows a lot about it. And, uh, like, you know, we got friends who do it. But just for my, myself to get a firm understanding of it for yourself, obviously, yeah. got a lot of experience in it, right? Right. And for the, we actually get civilians listen to this. And yeah, yeah, right. so yeah. So they are going to have a clue. Maybe people get out thinking about it, right? Yeah. So, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, civilian vessels transporting this, that, and the other, yeah, uh, through dodgy areas to get assigned armed guards mm. in certain circumstances. We yes. pretty much know that off the news, people know that anyway, right? Yeah. So, as part of that, obviously, the, the weapons on, on the ships, I expect you only load so many weapons as you are, people, or there's a certain quota. Mm-hmm. And then you can only get the weapons when you're in certain areas. So you can't have weapons in UK waters, for example. When you get into a certain area, as in in the open, in the high seas, yeah. then you have what you were referring to then as a floating armory, which is a smaller vessel which is responsible for dishing out weapons and other provisions. Is I mean, uh, leg- um, a floating armory is a place where you can rest and recuperate between operations oh, okay. instead of going on land. Um, there was plenty rooms on that vessel that I was on. To house probably about twenty odd people, give or take. There was thirty five of on the vessel, a bit too much, but needs most. And the tactical deployment officer is only in charge of the guards only. So he his role is basically operation side, dishing out weapons and equipment. So do you have a, does it have a crew separate then? It does. Civilian yes. crew. Yes, civilian crew. And then yes. you have your and then you have the security side of things. Yes. So, so the TDO manages all your security yeah, the requirements. Kit and yes. And the man in, and the man in and and the taskings yes. and going off and off ship. Making sure vessel uh, and guards go from one vessel to the other. And the crew I'm expecting can be all over the place wherever. They yeah. just look after the ship where it's supposed to be where it's supposed to be going and liaising with local authorities. Yeah. Um obviously when you're going on uh, the floating army to the vessel, obviously the crew will take you on the uh, speedboat, you know, the rib, transport you to the vessel, you get aboard the vessel, and then they come back, and then there you go. That's their job when it's on operations. Other than that, they're just a ship crew, basically. Yeah. So you were on the floating army, chilling yeah. out, right? And then you you were then going to, your plan was then to go to India or Sri Lanka? Sri Lanka. Well, no. We're on a vessel, yeah, from Muscat, yeah, to Sri Lanka. But two days into that journey, yeah, the TL um, informed us that the company wanted us to get on the Seamangar Ohio, which was the floating armory, which was the floating right, armory, okay. correct? Um, and we boarded that, and we spent probably about a couple of days. We just waiting then for the next task in, yeah. Yeah. Just in the, yeah. mi- in the middle of the bog standard stuff. Or, bog yeah, standard stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously, a few uh, guys, the Estonians and all that, went on other vessels, and um, because we're be- being the Brits, we were only des- uh, designated on certain vessels. Um, the Estonians were going on quite a lot of the Eastern European crew vessels. Um, with obviously the language, you know, the so majority of the crews mm. that uh, they were on were. Ukrainian, Russian, Eastern European. How many were on your team? Four. Or so me and three other guys. Expats. 
Yeah. All ex uh, British. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, on the on 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 that armor you're on, the Sea Magado Ohio. Yeah. What amenities wise? What's it like? I mean, what's it like living on there? Cramped. Uh, you get like a cabin. Yeah. Tiny little cabin. A couple of you in there. Yeah, yeah. There was four of us, and our, our basically our team was in one cabin, basically. Oh, so okay. it was like a little cabin with uh, bunk, two bunk beds. It's like a prison gym. Dodgy well, scoff. Yeah, yeah. Basically. And a scoff is whatever the, the, the... Well, obviously the ship it has provisions. So, yeah. you know, the chef, as good as the chef was, he, his food was pretty decent on that yeah. vessel. I've been on worse <laughs> during uh, maritime, but he cooked some pretty decent food. And if you, where was he from? He was from India. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. we just used to call him Cookie. You know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, if we caught any fish or squid, you jack that up and eat that. You know, it was all right. Chilling out. Yeah. Then the day I've been in the uh, army, so I know what sleeping rough is, and you know, but. You gotta take the rough with the smooth. To be honest, yeah. like I wouldn't expect to be on the vessel that long. We shouldn't have been on that vessel because of you know Brit teams don't normally go on there. But unfortunately, the company wanted to save money, I suppose, and so. Uh, so when you say you shouldn't have been on it, just uh, what, so what would you? Oh, because of what? Yeah, why shouldn't you have been on there? Well, Brit guys didn't normally go on there as such because of the vessels that they go on. Um, they're not as frequently as the other guys, the Estonians and the Ukrainians, when they go on their vessels. We were only on, like, you know, the KOTC ships. So, all right, so because of sort of the pattern of the operations, and it was it was very rare that you'd go we, to that because it didn't tie in with the ops. Yeah. Right, okay. Um, normally you would go, say, to Sri Lanka, and then immediately you'd fly up to, say, Muscat, Egypt, whatever, yeah. you know, Kuwait. Mm-hmm. And because... The, it was the, the Kuwaiti uh, shipping company, mm-hmm. the vessels that we normally did. Um, but, you know, like, we were on there and I didn't think we'd be on there too long. But we're on there, I think, six six days. Okay. And then we needed fuel and provisions. So, we obviously, you know, nothing to do with me, I'm a passenger. Yeah. No, what was getting uh, jacked up between? Yeah, I suppose at that point you're not you're not securing anything, are you? You're no, no, no. We're, yeah, we're in the middle of the time, ocean, you know, downtown. international waters. I'm just chilling, sunbathing, catching squid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're trying to, anyways, but yeah. um, just chilling out. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and then obviously we we, got, we went and got uh, the fuel and provisions, so we had to go closer to inland because. From what I... To liaise with the boat coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had to go to a bunkering position and it should have been a bit further away, but... Wait, bunkering uh, position? Yeah, yeah. like, you know, if we, the pick a dot on the map. The yeah. deep, deep Where, water, so it's like the RV point. So they can drop anchor, vessel comes, and gives you fuel and provisions. And that's not supposed to be inside the Indian water, it's supposed to be international well, waters. To an extent, yeah. Practically not okay. in... Yeah, their waters. Um, but we weren't going to India. A lot of people believed we were going to India. Uh-huh. We were never going to India. The vessel itself wasn't uh, able to dock at that port of Tutankhamun. I assume that's why was, we got a agent to jack up a fishing vessel to bring us. No, I'm not too uh, clued up on it, but. It was, 
as far as I'm aware, certain vessels can only access certain ports around mm-hmm. the world. Our vessel couldn't, or whether the, you know, the, the owner wanted to save money because mm-hmm. port fees is uh, quite a, an expensive uh, payout, to be honest. So, uh, like I say, it's not my not my problem. I'm mm-hmm. just a passenger, really, mm-hmm. on that, waiting for an, another job. Mm-hmm. And... We obviously went to sleep that night. Obviously, as I said earlier, we were getting escorted to the port of Tutacrim, but we weren't that far away, you know. Probably should have taken about 45 minutes to an hour to get to port. And I asked why we're going so slow and and tried to get in touch with the, uh, you know, the, the Coast Guard, you know, representative on the bridge, but he wouldn't say nothing. Mm-hmm. He was kept dumb. Mm-hmm. Stood there with his uh, weapon on the bridge. He was on your... Yeah. 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 Was so there a Coast Guard vessel escorting the boat? Yes. Right, okay. So basically that was just going around, you know, escorting us. And he was, he more or less said to the captain, Dr. Tutor Port. Were they all armed? Was, it, was he armed? He was armed. Yeah, yeah. He was on the bridge with his weapon. Didn't even say a <clears throat> muttered any word. As when... Because it was uh, early morning. Um... When you're in the uh, port of Tutacarin, and I remember just being on the back of the boat outside, and I was looked at the reception party, and they couldn't have crammed any more people on that uh, dock. Everyone and their dog was there. Military? <laughs> Media, really? naval, what time was this police, then? everyone, you name it, was on that dock. Waiting for us. What time is it? Oh, probably about eight o'clock, something like that. I can't. In, in the morning? Yeah, in the morning. I can't, like, say, I can't really remember yeah, yeah, that yeah, far. Yeah, yeah. It's vivid of my mind. Well, I know it was in the morning. Mm. When you seen him, was it at that point you thought something's wrong here? So this is. Well, the shit's no, the not fan. really, because we've all been in the shit once in my lifetime, but you just you just deal with it and you just think, oh, well, you, yeah. you, hear, you hear about. You get, you know, people, you know, you know, that happens in that part of the world, bribery, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. You just think, well, okay, fair enough. Maybe a vessel, strange vessel dotted around, you know, in the, in the in international waters may look to a country look suspicious. Because mm. yeah. normally when they're off the coast, they're waiting to get called to go in port. We weren't. Because we weren't going to India, so yeah. there's no need to inform them yeah. on what we're doing. Uh, but ah, so that you're speculating that that could have been a reason to come out and go out. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was just a bit. Un- just thought, well, yeah. maybe we might have looked a bit suspicious yeah, to yeah. them, and they just wanted to know what yeah. we're doing. Um, but then a simple discussion with the Coast Guard would have fixed that. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, you don't think at the time. Well, I personally didn't think. Oh, something iffy here. It wasn't until we got into port and I saw the extent of the people there. And as soon as, obviously, the gangway was dropped, it was a free-for-all. Was it? We had to literally stop people coming on that vessel because they would have capsized with that many people coming on that vessel. 
Who was controlling? So are that when you when you got there, I told, did the Coast Guard tell you to stay on the vessel? And then yeah, yeah, we were, he, just, we were told to stay on the vessel. So they then took control of the vessel, and you were just sort of as you was down. But down there. being guards and all that, we were just told keep out of the way, and hopefully it'll, it could be just a paperwork issue. Mm. You know, you don't know the extent yeah. of stuff, yeah. but you you comply, and what they did was comply and. Like, told well, what kind of vessel we are that will have weapons on board yes the weapons are secured padlocked away only the, the TDO has access to them weapons mm-hmm. not the crew okay the captain does but he's yeah. the captain he can mm-hmm. you know access anything but we use them weapons but the you know like 35 weapons 35 people on that vessel you can understand how someone may get a bit confused. Ah, uh, yeah. so there's the same weapons as the people on there? Yeah. Right, okay. Two okay. and two, two come up with a million. Yeah. That's how the police have seen it. Yeah. Um, you don't think of what's going on till the start saying, right, pa- give you your passports and Siemens uh, documents, so you're handing them, and then next minute you get them back. Then you're handing them back over. Because different organisations mm. were coming onto this vessel, <laughs> getting shown the weapons, shown the paperwork. Some were just going, nah, there's nothing to be had here. Oh, there's nothing to be had here. And they were dripping, going away, going away, going away. And then, <coughs> obviously, Q Branch, who are in Tutacrin and be main headquarters. What branch, sorry? Q Branch. Uh, it's quite a funny because that's... Uh, Similar to James Bond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't copied from James Bond. To be honest, <laughs> no one What is it? What is Q branch? It's like a CID police force. Uh, India. India. In India. Ah, okay. And just in Tamil Nadu. No. You know, it's not like say a main police force yeah. of India where yeah. they're in different yeah. states. Just, this yeah. is solely for Tamil Nadu, and they work to the chief minister for that um, area. Yeah. yeah, basically they are the chief minister's goons yeah. in a plight way. Mm-hmm. Um, they came on, and there was a, a lady we we called a Madame Q Branch, and she was the woman who took four years from my life. No way. And if so. I could see her the day, I'll strangle the life out of her. <laughs> yeah, I would literally strangle her. Well, That's you... how angry. But I'm not dwelling on that. What's done's done. I've got to think of the future. Mm. But what she done there could have been prevented. What did she pick up then on it? What was saying the weapons were illegal. Right. Uh, what, it. uh, you've you... got different organisations. Yeah. yeah. The weapons are fine. The weapons are fine. They said your document, your paperwork doesn't count for nothing outside the UK. But. If you're going to say the weapons are illegal, say they're all illegal. Not just six G3 weapons, right. which a month previously were in Mumbai, and then the team who was on the vessel brought them onto the same Guard, Ohio. We you know, showed the paperwork. Yeah. Obviously, I personally didn't, but, yeah. but they were the weapons that they deemed were prohibited. Six Hecklin Cox. Yeah, G3s. Hatton Cog Jeffries. Six out of the 35 weapons they deemed prohibited. Uh, um, I know in the way. Oh, I have to be careful here. Knowing the way 
a lot of other parts of the world work. It just like everything. Think just what keeps popping in my head is it's one of those. Uh, they, they I mean, experience in Iraq. They pull you over, and if they, if you if you are squeaky clean, it's almost like a it's a slight to them, and then they they try and find something, yeah. and then make it up. Yeah. Even if it's like even they'll, they'll and they just delay it, yeah. delay it, make it up. Or like you're saying, true and true makes five. Yeah. I mean. You can. I mean, you were saying there like there were thirty-five weapons, thirty-five people on the ship. Oh, that's a coincidence. But what do they think was the possibilities that thirty-five people are on a ship of different nationalities are going to go and storm India? Well, I don't. I don't know. To be honest, that was in their media. Um, obviously, you you don't see it straight away, but you you hear about it and you do see some of the papers eventually, mm. and they were flapping that it was going to be another Mumbai attack because they came on a vessel and attacked. Oh, did they? Um, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. There was a, there's, a nu- there's a nuclear power plant and they were, they were saying we were going to attack that and they were saying we are going to sell weapons to fishermen. They were just creating one story mm. after the next, after the next and we're thinking, are you absolute imbeciles or what? Mm. We're providing security... I'm on a vessel providing security for Indian crew. Yeah. Mm. Yet you're deeming that we're doing something illegal, mm. that we're going to attack your motherland. I don't think so. Obviously, they're off their heads, man. What was Madame Q Branch responsible for? As in, what was her role within, within Q Branch? She was the head, <laughs> head lady. <laughs> Basically, she was down and she just couldn't be bothered to listen to anything she was told. She was in charge of the ranch. She was in tool she was in charge of everything uh-huh. and she just basically went arrest them. But it's on the same day. So all happened. No, no, we were in port. Like say you got all these different organisations. It took day after day. I think it was on the fourth day yeah. in port, they removed the weapons. Right, okay. So if these Just the six? No. All, all of thirty five. Yeah. Took four days. For the, to remove the weapon. So if we were doing something, do it we could have they? just armed ourselves and just yeah. stormed the dock. But we didn't because we're professionals and we don't do stupid like that. We comply. We were complying, you know. And then on day six, I remember it like it was yesterday, and I will remember it for the rest of my life because what happened on that evening of the fifth. Going into the six was, you know, I, I, I spoke to me, you know, my sister, my dad. They're hearing stuff on the media. Mm. You know, my dad said to me, Tell me the truth. Are you doing something illegal? Mm. And I went, No, we are legitimate. Mm. I told you I'm providing security. That's my job. I'm not a mercenary like a lot of people out there thought I was I wasn't a mercenary I think they should google what mercenary mm. actually is we're not going to that I spoke to my, my mother and it was t- it was this this is the morning of the six where we were told you're going to hospital they didn't say right you, we are arresting you on suspicion of blah 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 they went you're going to hospital 
However, you can't take your glasses if you read if you need glasses. You can't take your wallet. You can't take your watch. You can't take your phone, cigarettes, belt, and and we're like, what? Yeah. What kind of hospital are you what taking? What was the reason for the hospital? What was the, what what was the reason? You need checkup. Right. We're like, what planet are you on? Why are you? You know, yeah. instead yeah. of just arresting work, which I would have preferred yeah. to... Um, just being straight with you. Just be straight. We are arresting you on, suspicion yes. of. Yeah. I suppose we're really afraid of having dramas on the boat and it turns into a... a well, scrap. to be honest, it, come, if you had seen some of the Estonians, they would have made mince me, they would mm. have kicked off big time. But, didn't. We put our ad and fort, and I will slander that company's name. I don't care what Mr. Faliala has to say. Mm. Can owe me my wages if need be. Yeah. It's the next conversation we're gonna have, but that'll never happen. We, as professionals, put our uniform on, our Advanfort uniform, mm-hmm. and we complied because professionals do that. We got off the vessel that morning, the sixth day in port. So you can imagine how of a pardon me French gang fuck it was. Mm. People need to ring families. Yeah. That phone call I made changed my life. I, re- I initially tried to ring my sister. Mind, 7.30 India, take away four and a half hours. People are in bed in the UK, mm. so people aren't going to answer the phone straight away. It went on to a voicemail. I then rung me my mum. And for those who know about what happened to my family, mainly my mum, it was the last phone call I've ever had where she was in a normal state. Hmm. And for the four years, it ate away at me. Every day, I felt guilty. I wish my sister had answered that phone and I didn't have to make that phone call to me, mum. But I did, because she answered it. And I said, look, mum, I don't know when I'll next speak to you, but we're getting arrested off this vessel. I love you. I'll speak soon. Immediately after I finished that conversation, my sister rung us. My fine, my words, I'm not going to quote myself because I was shaking with mm. rage. Shaking because I felt, what's going on here? The shit's going down now. I went, Lisa, get the embassy. Get the government now. We need help. It's not going to plan. They're arresting me. I love you. I'll speak soon. Mm-hmm. We boarded the buses waiting for us, going to the hospital. We didn't go to the hospital at all. Went straight to the police station. So you knew, you knew what was going on. Well, we knew what was going on. They just didn't come out and say, you're going to the hospital. <coughs> uh, you're going to the police station. Went to the uh, police station and it was a massive media frenzy. You can see the initial video footage online where you you see guys getting off the uh, police bus going into the police station. And we're all crammed in this little room and we're told, Phil, yeah, put your name and address. I didn't bother. I'm not, I'm not writing nothing down. Still complying, but I'm not. Because what if they used something, used that against me? Yeah. I'm telling them nothing. They're asking us what, what's your name? I said, look at my passport. Mm. 
I wasn't being stupid. I wasn't being funny. I was just yeah. saying, why do you need to know my name when you have my passport and my documents? It was a long day yeah. in that police station. Hot, sweaty, no food. Probably, I think, they gave her a bottle of water each. Um, it was manic. We didn't know at the time the embassy was denied access to her. Uh, one of the company representatives and the law and the lawyer was denied access to us. And, and we didn't know this at the time. Aren't they supposed to be granted? Embassy supposed to be granted access. To well, it. apparently they were rejected. Was it a, a fixer from the company there on hand? No? Yeah, there was. Yeah, he came over to apparently do a deal. Yeah, with the police. Now, we don't know this at the time. Yeah, yeah. but apparently there was a, a hefty. I think at the time it was half a million pound. Mm. Bribery, and that would be and all. The company went no. Yeah. Five hundred thousand. It would be all. Why, all why should what? I pay a bribery, bribery when they've done nothing, nothing wrong? wrong. Yeah. Problem is, in them parts of the world, you have to pay the price. Yeah. Obviously, it's a shame he didn't pay cash. I paid four years of my life. Mm-hmm. But you don't know this at the time. Mm-hmm. You don't know this at the time. You know, you're in a cramped, sweaty, horrible third world police station and your arse is going like that and you're thinking you, you, everyone's seen these programmes banged up Brits abroad mm. I have didn't think I would be starring one personally mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but you think I'll comply but I'm not going to leave myself open mm. you know well in that police station all day were they questioning you? Or, well, qu- or? no just sitting and waiting sitting and waiting you, then you would get up and it would be the usual crap I'm th- I'm not signing that can't even understand it sign this Indian paperwork yeah sign this and we'll ruin you or you'll we'll ruin your life I'm like no you're not no you're not I'm not no, signing nothing no interpreters no trouble nothing. nothing where was our I- beloved agent yeah it was on the vessel there's video footage of that Smiling, mm. you think you don't say it at the time, but when you look at the video footage where they're counting the weapons and ammunition, you see him joking and smiling with a cue punch, and you're thinking, Is he collaborating? So he just set us up. The agent's the same as the fixer, isn't it? I mean, yeah. they're there, they're there to, to fix things for, 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 again for, for, for people who don't understand, like the civilian population or people that get out who, who want to go into this kind of stuff. Yeah. Fixer and agent, they're there to. To try and make sure everything goes smoothly for the company or the organisation, and they pull out all the stops. That's what it's supposed to do. The liaison with the local authorities, liaison with, with the, in your case, the coast guard, the police. If there's an issue like a casualty or anything goes down, liaison with hospitals, the liaison with the flipping ports, port authority, all that. And if it's a drama, then they pull out stops to fix it. True. And your man's on the on the boat smiling. <laughs> He wasn't fixing anything for us. And the thing is, fixers usually get paid quite well from the company. Oh, yeah. And they take all the backhanders as well. Yeah. Backhanders. Power, exactly. I, don't, I, I can't quote, me, quote it, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure they said it, the company gave them $40,000 for the fuel and provisions. <laughs> Didn't even spend that. Mm-hmm. I think he spent about seventeen or twenty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, clearly he's... T- yeah. Oh, he's paid the police t- t- for a, a green ticket out mm-hmm. of prison because you'd think he's part of the company. He should yeah. he should be on the charge sheet. 
It wasn't. It was 35 men, including Indians. They were the crew. And the owners of the company, like they were going to come from uh, America. <laughs> so they placed under arrest then yeah. the whole crew, including the guards. So you, yeah. the Indian crew, and then the, and the Every- owners of Adam Fort. Yeah. Everyone had elite entering Indian waters and weapons yeah. apart from the crew. They didn't, the ha- they didn't have the weapons, I believe, on their charges. Um, I, the captain and his officers, I think they had uh, the bunkering charges, right. illegal bunkering as they referred it to. Um, but uh, more or less every, every, everyone. Yeah. There was 25 guards on that vessel, but 35 people. So 25 people should have had the char- uh, weapons of charges yeah. that everyone more or less did. Because, like say, 35 guys, 35 weapons, mm. man a weapon. Um, mm. That's how they worked things out. But, you know, you're, you're in that police station all day and you're in screaming and Tamil. And it was getting late in the day. Like, we had no watches on. What time is it? Looking, looking for a clock. Mm. Is that actually working? And mm. we'll be asking them, what's the time? And it got to like six o'clock, something close, something around that time. And you, I heard, we heard Madame Kuban screaming, basically getting them hurry up. We didn't know what was happening, but it was get back on the bus. And it was a dry, quick drive to the court, with the court closed at six, so we were late. So therefore, legally, we should have been taken back to that vessel, under charge, but. Yeah. Under police security, Just stay on the vessel overnight. Stay yeah. in that vessel overnight, but no, that's not what happened. We went around the back of the courtroom. Some guy came out, waffled some crap in Tamil. We got back on that bus <coughs> and we went to prison, the first ever prison. And no explanation, was, nothing on the bus gone. No, blank bit of paper. Sign this. Not signing that. But they were just pulled over on the way to the prison. Obviously, we didn't know where we are going. Sign this. In three days, you'll go back to Vessel. Everything will be fine. So, you're sat in the middle of nowhere, pitch black, on a bus, and you're getting the, a blank A4 piece of paper shoved in your face. Sign this. Well, obviously, I didn't sign my, mm. my own signature. Don't blame me done a squiggle <laughs> but we, we all did it because yeah. it was either sit there and get all angry or just comply you know remember we're professionals we comply so we all signed this we didn't go back the vessel we went to Palmcourty prison <laughs> and it was about 11.30 or something the time we got there or a little bit beforehand and it was built by the Brits so sl- slave labour went into that prison and they were smiling looking at when they found out Brit guys were coming into Which that prison. Which means it was built by the Brits. Well, the prison was but that old. It was, built, well, it was built when we used to rule uh, India back yeah. in the day. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. So they're like, you know, shoes on the other foot now. Nah, and yeah, yeah, you're looking at this prison on the outside and you, and you think, shit's real now. Mm. 
Yeah, did it start sinking in? Did you start yeah, 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 really yeah. like something yeah, like, major wrong gear? Is, is, is this going to be the prison? Yeah. How long am I going to be here for? How big was it? Massive. I didn't see the extent of the whole prison itself. We were chucked in this small little sh- uh, room with a hole in the floors, a toilet, and like a mini swimming pool kind of thing where you could wash. Um, and we were given a, a bottle of drinking water and was blankets, two blankets, lying on the floor. So you're lying on a uh, concrete floor. And it was... I don't think many people got sleep that night. Um, it was quite sick feeling. Was okay. it... Um, what what month was it? Was it hot? Oct- was, was it-, oh, it was October. Was well... It- was it hot, was it? And well, Tamil Nadu is hot is it all constantly? year round. Like, when it when it's summer, I can get to, like, 40, 50 degree now. Mm. Yeah. Um, but in that little... Well, in that prison, and I think it was the se- second day, the embassy came to visit with. Um, so, we're all just thinking, you've got to help her. You know, told the embassy... Everything that transpired during them initial days on being in port, what we produced, what you know, etc., 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 and said, "Well, we've got our passports and all that. Um, we don't even know what we've been charged for." You know, chucked in prison, getting told we're going to hospital. Told the embassy this, they went back to Chennai. The other person went up to Delhi. And then another day or two. Um, oh, what was their? What was their? So to interrupt, what was? What was their response? What? How were they? How were they viewing it? The embassy at that point. Um, pretty skeptical. On obviously, because there's weapons involved. You know, they weren't just going to go. Well, we know you're innocent, etc., etc. They were kind. Pretty apprehensive at first, I thought, but they were trying to look after our welfare. But with the paperwork, I mean, even at that point, uh, it's improved over the years, but even at that point, they're like the maritime security industry, that was sort of towards the start of where it started getting heavily, heavily, heavily regulated. Yeah. And there's all sorts of treaties and and mm. like and standardization of paperwork and all the rest of it. There's a lot of it's in place anyway from, from the from international shipping industry anyway yeah but with the advent of um with uh with having to get armed security on that's sort of that's come into it so like you're saying there when you you had all the you had all the paperwork for the weapons it's the same as when we were in you know in iraq and that mm. pay of paperwork for paperwork the weapon, weapons yeah. and you yeah. have, always have it intact because you know well, if you get stopped it's not they're gonna get done so i mean from from that perspective it especially was... looking at from from uk eyes you yeah. you'd be able to see on the paper trail all's in order surely they didn't care. Mm. No, I'm a, on about the Indian. I'm on about from from an embassy oh, yeah, perspective. Yeah. I'm on about you know. We, but they couldn't get that paperwork because the ah. police had the paperwork. Ah. It was in. We gave the police, oh, and the police right. has withheld evidence. Yeah. yeah saying we didn't produce it. Yeah. Ah, yeah. So the but we were saying, get in touch with the company. Speak, find out what's going on. <clears throat> and I remember. And the, she, the lady from the embassy, I won't mention her name, um, 
she told us about another Brit guy who was arrested in India. Total, obviously, it was involving drugs. And it took four years for him. You know what she said to us? Don't be surprised if it doesn't go four years. However, we will do our best to prevent that. What's the reason? Is that uh, Indian? Indian That's just yeah, their yeah. judicial system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, if you get out of it quicker, quicker, you've paid the, the bride price. You're told that on day two. Yeah. yeah. So, we're told we're not staying at this prison and all foreigners, I 23 out of the 35 were foreigners, two Indians, um, so the Indian crew remained in Palam County Prison while the rest of us had to make a 14-hour bus journey to Central Prison 2, Puzal in Chennai. And what a drive that was. Mm. North, well, we got a bit of food, hard uh, boiled uh, jack potatoes, weren't even cooked properly. <laughs> Chapatis and a bit of dal and then a litre of water for a 14 hour. We did stop now and again for the old uh, toilet break, but they are lunatics. They couldn't get up that to that city quick enough. The, we were t- screaming at them to slow down. Cause the prison, prison wagon? Yeah, because yeah. they were going to kill if they carried were on driving. No, we were never handcuffed. So where, there's 23 foreigners... On this bus, and nearly the same amount of police officers with weapons. You don't know the state of them weapons, but mm. I tell you what: when you've got a, a sleeping policeman with a SLR in your face, you you just want to batter him with it. Mm. I was like, Get, "What's that weapon, man?" Mm. Nearly, you know, it was quite nerve-wracking because mm. one bump in the road could set you know because mm-hmm. you know how mm-hmm. hands on they are they're like oh it's a toy yeah. you know that finger's yeah. always near the trigger and you know they're not very professional at all the Indian police um, but we made the the journey and obviously through the through the the day and uh, we got the pr- prison in Puzal and you can see on Google Maps how big it is. There's three different prisons. There's the women prison, there's the Roman prison, which is uh, Central Prison 2, and there's the one that I finished, like, when you get sentenced, the Puzal uh, 1. So we were in the Roman prison, which held about 1,500 people. However, there was nearly 3,000. No. It was cramped. We were in <clears throat> with Nigerians... Tamil Tigers, who were Sri Lankans. There was Syrians there. Iranians, sorry. Um, There was a whole different group of foreigners Mm. from different countries in that compound for the five and a half months we stayed in that prison. You would see people come and then next day or two they would be gone because they paid the price. One guy, I think it was South Korean, um, had fifty thousand US dollars on him, and he was. We we found out, yeah, pay a bribery, 
saying you can't leave this country with that money. We want. Mm. So yeah, you know, but he got out of prison and he's yeah. he'd gone home. Mm. He he had he was able to pay the price. <laughs> you know, for the five and a half months we were in there, for three of them months, nothing. What do you mean nothing? Nothing from the company, lawyer. We were stuck in limbo for three out of the five and a half months in that initial prison time before we got bail. We heard nothing. We didn't know where we were going, what was happening. Um, no one was speaking to you. No one. Couldn't find out what was going on from the company. Didn't even have a visit from the lawyer. Could you, get, could you speak to your family, sir? Through a letter. But I sent a letter, and it was... And I was thinking, it's two weeks. You know, I was told about, you know, a week to get there. Should have at least yeah. be due a reply. Went down to the jailer's office. My letter's still in his uh, drawer. No so we couldn't send oh, any letters. We did initially get letters in... But that was when the embassy came. The embassy came to visit us every two weeks, I believe. Every two weeks. They initially are only supposed to come and visit you once every three months. So for the embassy to come every fortnight to bring family letters for some sort of morale. Mm. And I remember like reading the initial letters from my sister... And you can tell how worried they were in them letters. And you're thinking, what is going on? Mm. You know, mm. as you know, a month went by, two, you know, this is October. It's only a couple of months to Christmas. And it's getting closer. And you're like, what's going on? Mm. What's going on? And, you know, I think... One of the guys, his uh, his girlfriend and his mum and dad came to visit him, or his dad. I was really happy for him. They were able to bring some goodies in, mm. you know, a bit of morale, you know what I mean? Got some letters uh, through his family as well, off my family. And it was good. But, yeah, thinking, it's getting, it's getting close to Christmas here. What's going on? Mm. And I remember the embassy coming in. And to this day, I don't know what this letter says. You know, when you, you look at something and words jump out. You know, I, I know I'm getting upset, but this is the reality. You're an innocent man. You were doing your job. You're chucked in an Indian prison. You're not hearing nothing from the company, lawyer, mm. on what is going on. It's getting to Christmas 2013. Mm. The embassies came in. Gave her a little bit of Christmas gifts. No, they, they were solely there for your welfare. And the rest of the guys were getting up to leave and I was told to hang back. And I thought, oh, maybe I'm getting a visit. Hmm. Maybe that, you know, they're just saying, oh, by the way, your sister or your dad or whatnot, or your mum's going to come and visit you. And I look back on that day and I don't know how I done it, how I stopped that red mist from taking over and controlling me. Because anyone who knows me, I can be a little hothead. I'll lose it, but then I'll think, oh well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. As time gets on, you get older, you become a bit more controlled with your aggression. But I got this letter, and words just jumped out. Like I say, to this day, I can't. I've never read that letter. 
I don't even know if I still got it. And it was my sister saying, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. She's all right. And five days before Christmas, my mum was in the hairdressers and she had a double aneurysm. And everyone who knows what an aneurysm is, is the brain just shutting off. You don't survive an aneurysm. You don't. That's the brain just going, that's it, I've had enough. You look at the survival rate, it's that. There's not even a percentage to be told. You know, look at the embassy lasses and that's, they don't know what to do. They just, here's a letter. Hmm. Do, deal with it. We're, we're shitting yourself on what's going to happen. And obviously me, me, me tear ducts just filled up. And this is five days before Christmas 2013. And my mum's just had a double, not just one aneurysm, a double aneurysm. She's now, she's, you know, buggered, but she's not. She's fighting for her life, because she wants to see her son again. And someone upstairs, and I'm not a religious man, says it's not your time yet. And she's, she spent four months. My sister says in hospital. I didn't know all this till I came home and. But the surgeon that saved my mum's life was an Indian. Of all people. Not all Indians are bad. That man saved my mum's life. But he gave my sister a very tough decision. If we operate now, your mum may die, but she also may survive. If you don't operate, She's dead. Operate. So, four months in hospital. She, you know, still a horrible wreck. You know, once she's, you know, had two strokes in the past. Um, her mobility's not as good. She can't use one arm. Her speech, you know, she can't have a normal conversation as you and I. So, I've got that phone call eaten inside of me you know that's the last time I heard my mum speak properly mm -hmm. she can't speak properly now she'll say the odd few words but not, we can't have a normal conversation anymore it, it hurts it, it does it, it does hurt but I, we're being home I'm dealing with it I'm dealing with it but leaving that jailer's uh, office tunnel vision setting and I was and I had quite a, a walk back to our compound and how that red people I can remember people speaking and I was just like that tunnel mm -hmm. battling that red mist because mm -hmm. I could have just killed every single person that came and contacted me but what would that have achieved mm -hmm. um I do mean this if me man didn't uh survive I wouldn't be here today I know that sounds really selfish, but that's the reality of things. I'm a mammy's boy. <laughs> mm. I would die for my mum. So, she didn't, she survived because she's a fighter. She's a true fighter. Because she wanted to see me again. Little did she know she had to wait four years to see mm. me again. But, you know, going back, 
it was it was so hard having to you know see the guys and you know one of the guys knew something was up you know and we went and had a talk and I just broke down basically but I dusted myself down I thought you know I've got to crack on just have to crack on I've got to stay strong my family wouldn't want me in this horrible soppy mess dust myself down you know and go to the next day and hopefully things can transpire you know we had a bail rejected then the put said the weapons were illegal and you know because we weren't initially charged with weapons they just that was that came later I think it was about two months two three months with no charge so initially it was just the international waters yeah charge yeah uh, not Indian waters charge well, sorry, yeah. it took about a couple of months to put charges on when we were in prison just Mind languishing and after five and a half months we won our bill and it, to get us out of that prison a lot of stuff was put in place mm. to make sure we weren't going to disappear no we had to sign bail twice a day 10 o'clock in the morning I think and 8 o'clock at night we did that for 3 months so basically we've left the prison after 5 and a half months and <coughs> we're staying in the hotel obviously the company can't keep that up um, so I have to fend for myself basically obviously they're keeping your passports and all the rest of yeah, yeah. can't leave we're signing bail t- twice a day and you know but you're able to speak to your family on Skype because you know we, it, we I had to go and buy a tablet you know so I had to basically get my bank to send us my bank card because we couldn't go back to the vessel because that was 600k uh, away mm. <laughs> you know mm. what I mean it was a, a long long way away just to get your belongings so fending for yourself or well, giving a little bit of money um, but it wasn't going to last yeah so yeah I mean you couldn't go to 600k because you had to sign the bail twice a day you would never make it back right got you and then you and you needed a court order to get yeah. my belongings yeah. like what <laughs> Because the, 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 I think the class style uh, belongings like equipment on the vessel. Mm. It's my personal belongings. My phone, my laptop, my mm. clothes. <laughs> so obviously, you know, when I, I did, you know, see my sister in prison. She came to visit on, on my birthday. That was the only time I saw my sister. She came and visited us on my birthday. So in the four years, I saw her three times, all on my birthday. Because obviously being out of prison she's not going to come and visit us when I'm out of prison because we're trying to hopefully get home things mm-hmm. is happening in court mm-hmm. you know it's not cheap either is it it's pointless you know so you're signing bail twice a day for three months and um, July 2014 William Haig who was the then foreign secretary <coughs> he we were waiting on the decision um, at the High Court to get the case quashed. Indian High Court? Yeah, at, yep. the, in, at the Madras High Court in uh, Chennai. Um, William here came over in relations to trade, but also to raise our case as well. 
And he, I think he came on the Tuesday, and we got a decision on the Thursday. And we won our case. Case quashed. But I had no charges. The captain, the crew, still had bunkering. Mm. So the waters, being in their territorial waters, weapons charge. For me, gone. Yeah. I was a free man. So they've, not, they've got 90 days to appeal. This is 2014, mid-2014. July 2014. Uh, we got the case quashed. I should have came home. My government, and I can only say what I went through. Other people may say the worse things. But what the government did, they let me down and the rest in 2014. We had a meeting with them. Shown lawyer letters stating Indian law during the 90 day appeal process, it is not a legal requirement for you to stay in India. So, during the 90 days for the police to appeal to Supreme Court on the decision at the High Court, we should have gone home. Mm. And if it went, you know. If it carried on and they won that, blah, blah, they would have to then get us back to the UK. Well, that wasn't going to happen. Mm. I don't think the British government would have allowed us to go back to India, knowing fine well we're innocent. Uh, the government can't turn around and say you're innocent. They know you're innocent, but they're not going to turn around in the media and say these men are innocent in case something creeps up and we weren't guilty of something. They, they weren't 100% sure. They weren't 100% yeah, sure. Yeah. But we were shown that we were legitimate. Yeah. We showed letter, letter lawyers, you know, lawyer letters, stating international law, etc., etc. And the government just went, well, we'll see if they appeal or not. And as the day goes by, weeks, months, it's three months, 90 days, and you're thinking, I'm, I'm, this is costing my family keeping me here. Obviously, the Army Benevolent Fund, Parachute Regiment, Chip British Legion, they did chip in. I will say thank you for them. Because if they didn't chip in, my family would be in more thousands of pounds worth of debt. Just for me. Keeping mm. me head above water. I wasn't living a life of luxury. I was staying in a hostel. You know, but when you're... Living there day, 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 weeks, weeks, yeah. months, months, it all adds up. I've got to eat, I've got to survive. I've got to just get on with my life and hope that this nightmare is finished. But it went on and went on, and you're thinking, what's going on? Day 90, if they didn't appeal, we would go home. Day 88, they appealed to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court went, yeah, no problem. And you're like, it can't get any worse now it's just so you've now got to stay still a free man so to speak but it's now gone up to Supreme Court did they still have all your passports and that yeah. the whole time I did initially get a new passport via the government the government kind of we did say look you you need to demand our passports but they belong to the government we, we just use them the, the government property yeah they wouldn't bother because it's easy for them to just write our passports off and get get you to buy a new one, which we did in 2015. 
Um, but <laughs> you, you've just had a hammer blow. Two more days and I would be coming home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then just went boom, peel, accepted. And you're like, oh no, man, how long more? So that goes on, expenses go up. Goes from 2014 into 2015. Okay, Christmas previously spent in a prison. This one wasn't too bad, you know. So I, t I I'm, was it a back and forth appeal, then a counter appeal, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, yeah. and then different court cases happening in Supreme Court. Ju uh, prosecutor wouldn't turn up, so then they'll go right two weeks, and you're like. Imagine that in the UK, yeah. a prosecutor who are supposed to be saying, right, you're guilty, you show us. Well, no, hang on a minute. We're innocent. You show that we've done something wrong. Not the other way around, but their judicial system, they said, mirrors the UK's. I went, yeah, from about 100 years ago. Mm. Because imagine nowadays... A prosecutor in the UK doesn't turn up. If he doesn't turn up, the judge is going to just. Yeah. That's it. You know, you're not sitting. The prosecution's not even turning up. They certainly make the case weak. That's it. It's, it's yeah. over. But they just went, oh, well, two weeks. Or maybe in two weeks' time he'll come up. And then, then a judge would not turn up, or, you know, and you're thinking. And you're hearing this, and obviously this is battling in New Delhi and we're in Chennai, in the southeast of India. And you're like, what's going on here? What's going on? And you're in communication with your family via Skype. My dad must have been sick of me. I must have rung him about 10 million times a day because <laughs> I couldn't speak to me, mum. Yeah. She can't just pick up the phone now. And obviously my sister, Lisa working for police headquarters, doing shift work. So, like, she would go to my mum's after work, after a 12-hour shift, and then we would Skype. It would be, like, the early hours, mm. you know, yeah. in India, and it was, it was hard because, you know, you're, you're tired, you're frustrated, and, you know, they're campaigning down in London, you know, raising awareness... That's how I became aware of it. Is that I didn't, I don't remember seeing it on the news when it first started. But then I, at that time we were in Iraq. But then when when that massive so when you I think your sister started it, I don't, I'm guessing yeah, well, that massive her, social yeah, media drive to, to get lady, people yeah. to pay attention. Um, who was the other lady? It was uh, Yvonne McGill. Uh, that was uh, Billy's uh, wife. Um, so they, they were a massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got the, you got the twenty seventeen back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And in twenty, how what happened in the end? Then to change things for you to be able to get out. What well, happened? as you know, fit times go on. You 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 you're thinking well, like you've you you know you you've had a taste of prison. You've had a taste of freedom. You should have gone home. And then you have a, a trial, and you get sentenced to five years. And I had to make that phone call back to my family. You know, you got all the media. When did it, When was that? When did... we we had a trial back in two thousand and sixteen, two thousand and fifteen. Um, it lasted four months. 
Jesus Christ. So you're, you're, you know, you're battling the Supreme Court, and then the day of the races were kind of ambushed because the Estonians and the, pardon me French, decided in their fucking wisdom to get a, a different lawyer to the lawyer that we had and just snowballed it. Basically, give the judge the ammunition that he deserved because we're saying we're doing one thing, mm. the police are saying another, and then he completely get, just says something else. Well, I'm just here to get these home. Well, the judge has asked one question and one question only. What was the vessel doing there for? If he just said the vessel was here for fuel and provisions, that would have been it. We would have gone home. It would have ended there. What did he say? But he, we, he, but he went, I don't know why that vessel's here. The lawyer, here. the lawyer said that? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just here to get them. Was he an Estonian lawyer? No, he was an Indian. But was your all, lawyer Indian? Yeah, they're, they're oh all Indians, God. but our lawyer's briefed up. Theirs is from the government. So you'd thought the Estonian government yeah. would have known better to have briefed their lawyer up. But they didn't. So you've put doubt into the judge's mind. Mm. Mm -hmm. if, if you're saying one thing you're saying another thing and you're saying another we need to get to the bottom of this right we're going to conduct a trial where's this trial going to happen back where it began in the lion's den and you ask any Indian India or UK the smaller courts are run by the police right. we they, apparently at, well, we, we, we weren't there because it was too far a distance but apparently Though the police, when they found out it's going to trial, were more or less doing cartwheels, licking their lips, mm. everything. They were so smug because they knew they had one mm -hmm. back in the lion's den. Um, so we con we conducted the trial. Um, I think it started September 2016, uh, 2015, sorry. The lawyers were briefed up. Big time. I wasn't involved in the briefing up. There was other guys who basically put it all together. Mm -hmm. And I thank them guys who Jack do, provided all the information to the lawyers. You know, one guy, and I will mention his name, and I hope he uh, allows us and says, yeah, I did do it, but Mr. Ray Tyndall jacked up everything. He done the running around. He got the documents to make sure we were squeaky clean mm -hmm. to give to the lawyer for the trial. Paperwork, boom, there you go. Mm. And he did it again to get us back home. So I thank him for that because it, without his hard work, our lawyers wouldn't have known where to begin. They were clueless. They hadn't a clue. We had to do their job. They just turned up in court and gone, yeah, 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 boom. Mm -hmm. So I like to say thanks again to Ray Tyndall. Obviously, I'll mention Paul Towers as well, Billy Irvin, and the other guys. You know, everyone played their part mm -hmm. on making sure the lawyers were uh, well, you know, jacked up on what to do. So we're doing this trial, <coughs> and I didn't go to all the court hearings. I chose not to because I was. After hearing what the collector of the evidence was getting when he was getting grilled by our lawyer, when it was translated on what he said, basically 
perjury doesn't exist in India because you've just cross-examined him and it doesn't matter what he says because they just take your, his original statement. And he said, and obviously I won't quote, but if I had seen the paperwork for the weapons, I wouldn't have put the charges on the men. So basically he put weapons charges on us without seeing the ballistics report. Mm. How can you put charges on someone for weapons mm. when you have not had a ballistics report saying these weapons are illegal? Mm. And that was enough for me. Obviously, I did turn up in court when it was required. Everyone had to be there. But I, I said said to the lawyer, I'm not coming. I can't do this. I feel violently sick. I'm not travelling nearly 14 hours <laughs> every day. I'm not going to live in Tilted Corinne because it's a shithole. Mm-hmm. I was happy up in Chennai as best as I could be. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a more civilised city, sort of speak. And then the trial conducted from September. We had a break around Christmas time. I went and uh, celebrated New Year in Bangalore, um, which is not a bad city. More of a milder climate than Chennai. Chennai is just like a sweat box. And obviously you can imagine the media frenzy back home. Obviously I was getting phone calls by the media as it started yet, as it started yet, because we were told a nine o'clock start in India time. Was this the final trial? So this is the decision date on the 11th of January 2016. We smashed it. They didn't even have a leg to stand on, the police. Absolute didn't have a leg to stand on. Didn't matter anyways, because it was made to look good. Because the judge just turned everything on its head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't matter. You could have just gone there and just done nothing. Because what the hard the hard work that the guys did to provide everything for the lawyer counted for nothing. Because the judge just went. Pfft. Five years. It's just a guy that all went straight for his own decision because that was predetermined, I suppose. Yeah. So, you, you know, the judges had his ear by the police. Mm. Convict, convict them. I remember we're all at the back of the courtroom and we're waiting for the uh, decision. Obviously, it's in Tamil. And then our lawyer would come and translate what was uh, said. But I remember, I can't remember who I was stood next to. I think it was one of the Estonian guys now. And I... Just saw people moving in the corner of me and I looked and outside rows of police nah. down one and the other of the courtroom and I was like that this doesn't look good. Why is our loads of police turned up? And then the judge's assistant got up and said something and we're like What's it what's he said? Uh, and I remember this t- to this day, our lawyer walked over. What a. And you could see it in his face. He, he, he didn't want to do that because he didn't know how we're, we're going to react. And he went, and we're like, what's, what's he said? What's he said? And he went, guys, uh, you've been sentenced to five years. And, we're, and our embassy's there, the Estonian embassy's there, and 
did you, you, you said they're like straight up, they're straight on the phones to, de- to Delhi yeah. and and all that, and where this, you know, someone you you just think you'd been hit by a train. Yeah. You've been to prison once. You've got bail. You've won your case. Then it goes goes tits up. A trial gets conducted. They should have just put one in prison instead of doing a trial. Should have just gone yeah, get in prison. It was pointless. It was a waste of time. But you don't believe that at the time. You believe, oh, well, we're going to do this. And it was just made out to look good. It didn't matter. Hmm. The sentence went five, ye- five years. So, if you remember, I had to make the phone call to my mum. Hmm. I've now got to do it again. And I tell you what, I will stand up in front of any person and say... What I did there, having to ring my mum again and say, Mum, I'm getting sentenced to five years. And here, I'm screaming down that phone. Screaming. And that haunts me to this day. What I, I heard on that phone, she was absolute screaming. And I was shaking. Because I just wanted to just annihilate every single Indian in that courtroom. I felt the rage. I felt angry. And I wasn't the only one. And to then have to do it to me dad. My dad is not quite, he's, he's quite, he holds it. The only time I've seen my dad lose his emotions is when I went and told him I'm going to Afghanistan and that was after the the Welsh guys got smashed unfortunately uh, quite a few of them lost their lives there and my dad quite got upset that day when you were still serving yeah, yeah. to ring my dad and tell him I've been sentenced to five years he was like well you can imagine mm. you know I'm not going to repeat the words he said on the phone but it was quite uh, I was quite kind of shocked for what was coming over the phone, but he wasn't emotional. He was he was quite calm when he was saying it. God forbid what he looked like when he uh, hung up on me. Mm. But I've just had to tell my family I'm getting sentenced to five. So everyone in the UK who was supporting the Chennai Six and my own support. Obviously, I don't know what's going on, but. Um, I think it was the the day David Bowie died. We got uh, sentenced to five years. I do remember clicking on my Facebook and thinking, "Oh God, uh, David, uh, David Bowie's dead." And I thought, "Well, that's funny because my Facebook's just going to be about me getting sentenced mm-hmm. to five years." And it was. I remember looking at my Facebook two years down the line and saying. I think all the stuff that my sister did and the other girls on raising awareness, fighting for justice. My sister made my sister made me a promise. And she did it on TV. And she said, I will as long as there's a breath in my body, I will not stop fighting till my brother's home. And I tell you what. If my sister was a bloke, she'd be a paratrooper. She would. She's, 
small and mighty. She's about this high, but her drive, determination, her fight, the the willingness not to give up, she can put any man to shame. I tell you what, what my sister's gone through, my mum, her job, me, any person would have just crumbled. How my sister hasn't, I have no idea. She's mm. made of tough stuff. Mm. You know, all the fundraising, you know, it was just phenomenal. I'm not really noticing, but when we're in prison, you know, you, you, you start and get the odd family, you know, letter in time. It was a month before I finally got a letter, so I was kind of, when I saw other guys getting letters, I was uh, getting really upset and I, I broke down in prison. Because initially when we got back to uh, Chennai, Puzal Prison 1, all 23 of them were chucked and thrown into one big cell, so one toilet uh, between me. Um, and later we all got broken up because... That's too many people to be in one cell. You know, tensions run high, as you can imagine, and just people have different uh, standards of living. Really, you know, some people are not as uh, cleanliness as uh, others, but never mind. Um, so I remember, like the first month of my five-year sentence. I didn't. I took. I finally got a letter. So I kind of got upset when I saw other guys getting letters. I thought something could happen back home with my mum. Maybe should something really bad had happened and stuff ha getting you know sorted back in the UK. But you can imagine like the whole Nick's gonna get free. He's mm. gonna. They're gonna win. The Chennai Six are coming home to then. Boom. Mm. Before half the UK were even out of their beds, we were sentenced to five years. So when they get up, go on Facebook, we're hoping to see good news, I'm coming home, see nothing. Mm. But sadness, people have told me. No. And then it, it was down to the girls, my sister and two of the other... Uh, family's uh, girlfriend and sister to rally and to fight for justice to drive to get the government to push on the Indian government because justice hasn't been served Nick uh, just two seconds Baz because we're just fast running out of time mate well, I don't want to I know it's fine you are right for another five yeah yeah you shoot off no, you, no, you, you shoot off yeah yeah okay right yeah, yeah, wait, I, I, I hate I this. Wait, flip an M1. Like, normally you're going to cut the virus, but... It's, 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 it's crazy. I mean, the, it's, it's a, a crazy mental, story. Isn't when it's did you... absolutely fucking mental. I remember, mate. I remember when you got sentenced, because I remember yeah. when you got sentenced out of five years, it was, it was hideous, right? It was hideous. Yeah, well, I mean, you keep mentioning about, about Facebook. It was massive on Facebook. And your sister, yeah. Lisa? Yes, Lisa. Yeah, she was all over it, like, completely... I, mean, I don't know the woman. I like, agree with what you're saying. She was, yeah. like, the face of it. But... Just, I want to skip because I, I don't want to, I don't want to gloss or anything. Yeah. 2017, right? You went back to trial after all those those massive efforts, getting the governments to talk to each other, getting our government to pull the fingers out, getting the Indian government to flipping 
square square themselves away. Yeah, yeah. When when did you when did the ne- the last trial happen? Um, well, too far. It was, we went through the the case again to get our freedom to appeal against our five year judgment. Starts at the bo- bottom court. We get palmed off. We take it higher. Went to the Madras High, uh, Madras High Court or Madurai High Court, and it's going on. And it was November two thousand and sixteen. That was it. Decision. What for? It to, whether you could appeal or not. Yeah. Yeah. Decision. What's going on? You know what I mean. <clears throat> Christmas again. You're waiting on a, you know, but you don't give up. I know, I, I know heads were dropping. Mine was. But you just got to remain strong. Rem, you know, remember, people are supporting you back in the UK. I was having letters from Canada, Australia, France, hmm. America. People supporting me. And the guy that's uh, from Australia is back. He's over in the UK, and I'm going to be meeting up with him. So I can't oh, wait yeah. for that. Remember, I remember parcels. There was a parcels par- getting stuff sent. Getting sent yeah, who was who was the lad that does Christmas uh, cards? The the guy, uh, Colin, 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 He's got a scaffolding company and he had posters of us on his scaffolding. And I'd like to say thank you to Gary Hull for his support yeah. and his guys. I'd like to say thank you to everyone and their yeah. support. Mm. It was absolutely tremendous. Obviously, I didn't know what was really going on, trying to get letters from my sister and her to deal with her life, my mum, you know, me, you know, and the focal point. My mum's a focal point, so you can imagine she's going through a lot of stress. But... You're fighting for justice, and it comes to the point where you're waiting on a decision, and the months go by, Christmas goes by, and you're thinking, what's going on? The 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 prison's asking us, why are you still in prison? Why have you not got a decision? You went back to prison January 2016. Yeah, yep. but we're, we're, we're appealing. Mm-hmm. You know, the appeal finished November 2016. And it should have been a minimum of three months or a maximum of three months for a decision. Mm-hmm. It was nearly one year. A year after you put the appeal in, they give you the decision whether you can go back to court? To, for freedom. Ah. Yeah. So we're, we're appealing the five years. Yeah. So it finished in November, the appeal. It was a couple of months appeal after so many ups and downs. Yeah. You know, judges not turn up, prosecutors not turn up, you name it. They did everything to try and delay it even more. But it should have taken them about three months. It took nearly one year to us to get a decision. And we're getting the government. Come on, what's going on? Foreign Minister Swire came to visit us. Last year, Foreign Minister Mark Field came to visit us. Foreign Minister of the United Kingdom visiting prisoners in prison. That doesn't happen. You don't even see a Deputy High Commissioner 
We saw him numerous of times. We saw the High Commissioner numerous of times. And the Britain, but the government can't say they're innocent. Mm. But does that not tell you we're innocent for them to come and visit you? Mm. It does to me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're saying, look, we need to take this to the Chief Justice, who is like the, the head judge of each state. And then there's a Chief Justice of India. So, you know, we're the Deputy Commissioner put paperwork in to her because they had tea and biscuits and went do it for the legal channels. Foreign Minister came to visit us. We brought her up saying, what's going on? Any news? Yeah, I'll get on that. And then the captain, you know, he was having some medical issues. So he was trying to get released to go for medical treatment, you know, so his family could come over because he was on his last legs. Um, little did he know at the time he's, he responded to his treatment, but he didn't know that at the time. So he, his case, so we're waiting on a decision at the High Court. His case was in the Supreme Court. And I tell you what, you, it was mad because India's Chief Justice heard his case. And, the, and he apparently, you know, said... Why are you still in the country? Mm. And the, apparently the lawyers were like, well, we'll start waiting on a decision. And you know what that man did? He went, right. I want a decision in the High Court within two weeks. We got a court date within a week. So that week leading up to Judgment Day, as we call it. Again. Again, hmm. this is where it either A, goes to Supreme Court. So if, it, if they just muck it off and disregard what Supreme Court's just said, Supreme Court will release what anyways. But you've got to think your mindset. Hmm. What if it doesn't go? Hmm. I knew once that has happened, that was it. I was focused. That's it. I'm going home. I will be home for Christmas. I will be home for Christmas. I knew. I, I, you know, a lot of the guys thought I was too overconfident. My bubble will pop. Guess what? My bubble grew bigger and bigger because I became positive. I sucked the energy from everyone's amazing support and fight and fought through. I never gave in. We got the decision. I was training in our makeshift gym. We made a little gym. And one of the guys told us on the 27th of uh, November 2017, <laughs> and he, I could hear it in his voice. It, it was giddy. He was. He wanted to laugh and cry at the same time. That kind of. And he went case acquitted because we were thinking we're going to get guilty time served. Guilty, why? We shouldn't. But we had in my mind, we're going to get a guilty time served to have a full acquittal. That's basically saying wrongful imprisoned. Mm. You've been full acquittal. And I was training because I thought, you know, you can imagine people are getting stressed, running around like headless chickens. I was pretty stressed. I couldn't sleep the night before. I couldn't wait for them that prison door to open so I could get out. Mm. But, you know... 
just had to deal with it. And he says that's it. Case acquittal. <sighs> and you're like that. Cheering on. It was a big moment for us. God knows what it was like. I've seen the video of my family all together waiting. You know, the media there. And you can watch it on uh, Google. You can see the, the response to the, you know, the decision of us getting full acquittal by my family. And that's powerful. Mm. Big moment. What we didn't know was that we got released the next day. The prison, it was even a shock to them because it normally would take a couple of days, nearly a week. The basically, the ne it was a Supreme Court order said, get them out. Because the court's not stupid. They're not going to hear your case straight away, are they? Because we could have been out that day. We, had, we were the last case. So it was about late, ev late evening, like early evening, where they heard our case. So it was too late to jack anything up to get us released. So you can imagine, no one slept. I didn't sleep that night. But the next morning, I was back into the gym. I had to tire myself out. And I remember walking around, and one of the guys, he was called down to the jailer's office. Um, but he went and saw the superintendent. And he was told, tell your guys that your embassies are coming at 11 o'clock. So I'm I'm walking around when I was training and he came back he went and it was a game grab your shit embassy's coming at 11 o'clock and I tell you what I started shaking I nearly my knees just nearly gave way because you 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 you've set you've got a decision you're buzzing from that and you're thinking well we'll wait a couple of days then get released for the next day to get released it was manic absolute manic once we were told your embassies are coming. That was it. I, I didn't even know what to do. I, I, I was just, my head was up my arse. I was all over it. Like, blokes are scratching what stuff, their life. Yeah. I'd, I'd left that prison with a couple of bags, that was in a little suitcase. My life. And, you know, we got released. A couple of days, paperwork, and it was finally it. The last time I boarded a plane was September 2013. And I'm boarding a plane November, December 2017. I boarded on the 6th and I was knackered. Absolutely. And the thing is, I've been to Dubai to massive airport and it's got free Wi Fi. It just. It's like, we're not going to tell Nick what's happening. Because the Wi-Fi didn't work. <laughs> I could not, for love nor money, get any signal. <laughs> Couldn't communicate. When I finally got round to uh, looking at my Facebook messages, got, people were wanting to upgrade me to first class. <laughs> I couldn't respond to give them my flight details. Because I couldn't, I, for love of my, I don't know why my phone couldn't connect <laughs> to Wi-Fi. I was going everywhere in that bloody place so well. to get a Wi-Fi signal, and I couldn't. I OD'd on caffeine, <laughs> literally, because I didn't want to miss 
I didn't want to fall asleep and miss my flight. Yeah. I, I did a four-hour flight from Chennai to Dubai. I had to wait six hours to do a seven-hour flight from uh, Dubai to Newcastle. And when I finally got on that plane, I was informed I would have my own Emirates trolley dolly. <laughs> she was keeping things low-key, so I, I, thanks, <laughs> I thank Emirates for that. I noticed people were... Must have people must have recognised me on that plane because I saw a few people looking at us, but they knew what it was signifying. They knew it was me to come home, so I was left alone, and I was watching a few uh, movies the past seven hours, and I was absolutely licked, shagged out my head. I was like that, but for years I dreamt of this moment, mm. and every scenario was nothing like what it was for the day I came back. But what was the same was when, it, you know, you get close to your destination and the captain says, right, buckle, buckle up, we're coming into land, such and such airport. When he said, you're coming into Newcastle airport, I've gone from licked out me arsehole to fresh as a daisy like that. <laughs> Someone had just regenerated me and I was like that. I was on top of that world. I was coming home, and to have that feeling was special. That was a, an amazing feeling. I went through a feeling like that. And the la last days, Jonah just hang fast. Cause I know my sister did say, because she came out to India to see us for a few days um, before going back home. She says, we do know you're going to have a few friends, family, one or two media. When... They turned up at that airport, and you can see what online me coming home. It even shocked and stunned my sister at the amount of people and media that was there for me. She just thought the the few local media and that was about it was going to come because they had asked for it as well. Mm. You know, there was Sky News there and everyone. It was tremendous. So I waited. I, I got I got off the bus. Uh, I got off the airplane. Uh, to get on a bus with everyone else. I was like that. <sighs> Couldn't have worked out even better as a plan. I thought I was going to walk off the plane, into the terminal, and that'll be it. I got off the plane, onto the bus with everyone else. I thought, for God's sakes, man, here we go. But I tell you what, and I thank Newcastle Airport for how they handled it. It was absolutely fantastic. But as I'm walking down the stairs... They were clapping, saying welcome home. And I, that touched me. Mm -hmm. So I thank everyone. Oh, what, the staff? The staff at Newcastle oh, Airport. Really? I, thank, oh, I thank every single person who was involved on that day. But they, they clapped and said welcome home, Nick. I got on the bus. Well, done that. <laughs> got into the terminal. We were in immigration and the girl from the airport <coughs> collected me. And... Call it a coincidence, I don't know, but I think the baggage handler jumped on that plane and looked for my bag because <laughs> it was waiting for me. My bag was waiting for me when I got in. To, I picked it up and I went, and she, she went, right, follow me, and I bypassed everyone else, and I came to the international arrivals, and I, I froze. I couldn't do it. I couldn't walk. 
through them doors. Mm. I've dreamt of this moment all of my life. Yeah, I was stuck. I couldn't. I couldn't. And a guy passed us and he opened the doors and everyone was there. My family. And it, it paralysed us. I was like that. Whoa, whoa. And I, said, I remember my dad saying, he's there, he's there. And his sister looked at us and it was two magnets. Boom. And you can see, honestly, it was, all, it was handled great. It was silent, so eerie. It was amazing. To, after four years of having my life ruined, I wanted nothing more than the world to see my mum again. And I saw her, and it was the best thing ever. It was like winning the lottery. I was on cloud nine that day. And obviously I did the media. Um, as you do, saying hello to my friends and all that, and family. And uh, I've just been on a, a motorcycle ride with my sister on Sunday, just gone for, with the 4X crew. And uh, they came. To the airport and they gave us an escort back <laughs> so basically they were cutting up every car to make sure my car made a, a direct route from that airport to my home um, and it was just amazing from being in India if anyone's been in India um, they'll know the streets are manic but to be on the UK soil on the UK road it's like there was no car on the road and it was so quiet. We got back home and opened a bottle of champagne. And then my hair's all over the shop. <laughs> a lot of people, when they saw, me, saw us, were wanting us to keep my hair. I was like, no, definitely not. <laughs> it's pro- I've seen this problem. I've yeah. Seen people were like, oh, top notch such in fashion now. I said, <laughs> I'd rather skinhead me, me head than get a top knot. But we- it was just fantastic. You've got to... Uh- we were well over time. Yeah, but, sorry uh, about that. But, but we appreciate, mate. Get, get, get a couple of minutes, right? Watch. Tell me what. Tell us. What's your plans? And well, else, anyone you want to give a shout out? Thanks to anyone you want to plug. Do it now. You got a couple of minutes to do it now, mate. Well, firstly, I'll say me thank yous. I'd like to say thank you for everyone's tremendous, amazing support for me and my family. That was fantastic. Um... All the bicycle clubs, you know, Badlanders, Forex, your support for the fundraising was tremendous. People of Ashton, uh, Northumberland, you know, a lot of people diss that town, but that town's in my heart. What you, The support you gave me was tremendous. It's my home. And I don't care what people think of the town. It's my home. Um, obviously, the British government, I would like to say, thanks for your support uh, for the welfare um, by the way you did let me down in 2014 but that's by the by um, like say obviously the people who uh, sent me parcels tremendous thanks great and most importantly <laughs> thank you my sister for never giving up and drive and fighting for my freedom. You got me home. My legal team got me home. If it wasn't for people donating 
to pay for our legal fees, I'd still be in that prison today. So thank you, every single person who donated, you paid for my freedom. So thank you for that. Um, future, obviously, trying to cram four four years is quite hard speaking. Um, it's quite. Hopefully, I would like to, you know, get it down in paper format so people can read. Um, we'll see. Booking horizon, absolutely, mate. Well, Think, whatever you, you need, know, um, any device, yeah. whatever, just, just let us know. I mean, people watching this will be, I'm sure they'll be, want, as they already are, people, wanting to help out, mate. Yeah, or, yeah pe- people are uh, wanting to hear the full story and I'm willing to tell them that. Um, I've gone through a mental health trauma and I know a lot of people are suffering mental health, whether you're ex forces or a civilian. Um, I would like to try and get involved in uh, doing some mental health work or giving, like, say, a talk or whatnot. Um, I do believe why well, I, I did go through a mental health trauma and to uh, be told your mum's nearly died five days before Christmas, being an innocent man locked in a foreign prison. That's trauma in its own right. To come out... A little bit cagey, <laughs> I will admit. I, I'm, you know, some days, I, you know, I, I just want to just bubble, and some days I'm happy. But I've got to just think, what's my next four years going to be? Mm-hmm. Onwards and upwards, think of the future. I only look back to see how far I've come and to refer to things. What's done is done. The past is dust. I'm not holding no grudges. Like I said earlier... If I did see Madame Q Branch or the owners of the company, I will strangle the life out of them. But I'm not going to dwell on the past. That's the one thing. I'm moving on with my life. Well, I'm sure, mate, with the great determination you got, life. you'll smash it. Nick Dunn, being an absolute... Thank you so much. It's been, fascinating it's story. Been a pleasure. It's good that you're back, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> That's the end of the show. Um, a quick shout out to our sponsors for the show, ABI Security Solutions Limited. Check them out online. Highest quality investigations registered with the Data Protection Commission and all of their lead investigators are members of the Association of British Investigators, a very well-reputed association, a very well-regarded company, ABI Security Solutions Limited. Thank you very much for sponsoring the show. And uh, don't forget to check out Levers Link, uh, free networking events for service levers, even if you're still in, actually. Help you looking to uh, connect with businesses, business owners, get some advice on getting out, or if you're already out, getting some advice on changing your career or improving your career or finding a career that is it thank you for listening thank you for watching until the next time out